Thank you for joining me for another Sunday Afternoons with Reverend Lucretia. I'm so glad you're here. And so the name of today's talk is Don't Hide Your Fears. And the song is You Say by Lauren Daigle. If you would like to listen to the song before you hear the talk, just go ahead and click on the link. It will be down below in the description. So we're going to be talking a lot about imposter syndrome. We're going to be asking ourselves some really difficult questions like, what are you afraid people will find out about you? What are you constantly trying to cover up? What are you embarrassed about? Is there anything that you are ashamed of? And we are going to answer all of that by saying that we are children of God. We are sons and daughters of God, and we are made in his image, and therefore we have nothing to ever, ever, ever be ashamed of. But we will be talking about imposter syndrome and how that works and how we can deal with that and turn that around to our advantage. And we're going to be talking a lot about scriptural references to who we are. We will be having a wonderful discussion about the book by Imelda Shank, and she's a unity minister called Who Are You? about the personal versus the impersonal selves. So before we go any further, let's just go ahead and read the lyrics for this song. Again, it is You Say by Lauren Daigle. I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough. Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up. Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low? Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am feeling short. When I don't belong, you say I am yours. And I believe, oh, I believe what you say of me. The only thing that matters now is what you think of me. In you, I find my worth. In you, I find my identity. You say I am loved when I can't feel a thing. You say I am strong when I think I am weak. You say I am held when I am falling short. When I don't belong, you say I am yours. And so we're going to be talking a lot about the fact that we are all children of God and that the love that he has for us is absolutely overwhelming and unconditional and absolutely has nothing to do with what we do, but who we are. So we're going to be talking first about an article called The Surprising Solution to the Imposter Syndrome. It's written by Lou Solomon. She is a CEO and an author, a communications expert. She's on the faculty of McCall School of Business in Queens University in Charlotte. She wrote two books. One of them is Say Something Real, and the next is Freeing Your Radical Hero, Fighting the Imposter Mindset. So the imposter syndrome is a feeling of phoniness and unworthiness. Even though we are highly motivated, we don't believe the credit that comes our way when we do something really good. We feel like we have snuck in the back door of life's theater and snuck up on stage, she says, and there's a big bouncer, and if he sees us, we're out of there. We're constantly looking over our shoulder for that bouncer. So 70% of the people in the United States at the time of this talk were said to have feelings or symptoms associated with the imposter syndrome. They are the fantastic four, anxiety, perfectionism, self-doubt, and fear of failure. So she reminds us that even the great Maya Angelou, after publishing a book, said, I wonder if this will be the time that they figure out I've been running a game. How incredible is that? Such an incredibly talented and gifted 
interesting woman, always still doubted herself. When you get recognition and you think, I haven't done anything to deserve that, and it got to be a mistake, that's the imposter syndrome. So what is the cause? Well, there are several different causes. A lot of it comes from growing up in a household where there's alcoholism, domestic violence, physical abuse, serious conflict, and it is a response to trauma. We're learning more and more and more about how trauma affects our lives. We're finding out that it comes from people that are constantly criticized, where they're constantly judged. She says she's devoted her life to proving that she was competent and that never works. Sometimes it's not from a bad childhood. Sometimes people are happy, uh, but they've chosen careers where they're constantly criticized and judged. These are people like artists and entrepreneurs. Some people just get into their own heads and feel like they're not good enough. And they feel like if people really knew me, they would find out that I don't deserve to be where I am. There are some, she says, that are just gluttons for punishment and they are attracted to really high stress jobs that really wear you out and demand too much and they suffer every single time they make a mistake. Any flaw reveals something about you and your incompetence, they believe. She says it's like having a crappy best friend in your head who says mean things to you all the time. Once you can identify that voice, you can change it. So she went into therapy. She had a little bit of a nervous breakdown of her own, and she went into therapy to try to deal with all this. And she and her therapist decided that they had to have another voice that counteracts this crappy friend voice in her head. And so she created one that she called the radical hero. That person is wiser, has a deeper point of view, does not buy into the crap, calls out all the lies and the limiting beliefs that isolate you. We all need to talk back. There are images in the media that we are constantly comparing ourselves to, and that's not healthy at all. We have to crush every single project just to be okay. That thought is not healthy at all. So we need to look at the lies that we tell ourselves. And one of them is that vulnerability is a weakness. We've talked a lot about the fact that that's not true at all. But deep down, we suspect that it's for losers. We have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and never ask for help and never let them see you sweat. Another lie, she said, is that a successful career leads to a successful life, that she thought that would save her, and that she got all of these awards. She was very, very good in business, and she said, but they were kind of like cotton candy. There was a blast of sweet, fresh air, and then there was nothing. Another lie that you have to deal with all the time is that you should never air your dirty laundry. Any mistake you made was dirty. You better hide that thing and you better be embarrassed about it, is what she believed. But what she's come to understand now is that the fragmented pieces of lives can come together when I can tell you what my life has taught me. So it's about sharing those pieces of yourselves that you don't like so much that you've changed because you were embarrassed about or that you thought were flaws that have turned out not to be flaws at all. And she says it is dangerous to overshare sometimes, but you have to be really conscious of that and use common sense. And if you can help somebody with your experience and strength, you'll know it. She also talks about the fact that she grew up, she had a teacher in school who would walk into the room and he would say, I'm listening for brilliance, people. And she said that never left her. She always remembered that when you're giving yourself credit and when you're listening for brilliance, you'll hear it inside your own mind. You'll be able to congratulate yourself more on your own wins and you'll see it in the people around you. She says, we must empower people. The imposter syndrome, if left unchecked, can cause anxiety, depression, addiction, stalled projects, unfinished masterpieces, and unhappy lives. The work is to confront and call out all of the lies and the limiting beliefs that isolate you and constantly be listening for your own brilliance. 
So there was another take on the imposter syndrome that I liked very much because it turned it all around and it said that the imposter syndrome can actually serve us because it causes us to stretch ourselves and to grow and to be comfortable living in a place where we don't have all the answers and to go out and learn all the answers. So the article was called How You Can Use the Imposter Syndrome to Your Benefit. It's written by Mike Cannon Brooks. So he is an Australian billionaire, B, billionaire. He's the co-founder and the CEO of Atlassian, which is a software company. In 2004, he won the IT Professional of the Year. In 2006, the Australian Entrepreneur of the Year. In 2009, the Young Global Leader from the World Economics Forum. And he works with government to uh, serve them to come up with answers on energy and technology policy changes. So he started the business right out of university with his best friend, Scott. They had no business experience whatsoever at all. The goal was to not have to get a real job and to not have to ever wear a suit to work. Today, they have over a thousand employees that millions of people around the globe use their software, including the fact that it is on the mission that went to Mars, the software that they created. He says, you'd think that I know what I'm doing, but every day when I go to work, I still walk through most of the day feeling like I don't know what I'm doing. And I've been doing that and I felt that way for 15 years. I feel like I'm out of my depth, like a fraud, like I have guessed and bullshitted my way through the situations that I was petrified at any time that someone would call me out on it. So at one point he was interviewing an HR manager, but he'd never actually worked in any company that ever had an HR department. He'd actually never had any job at all. So he was really confused about what questions he needed to be asking, but he just did a lot of homework and he worked his way through it and he came up and he... Um, was able to interview the HR manager. At another point, he was at a board meeting and he said all of them were wearing suits and he was there in his jeans and his t-shirts and they were using all these acronyms and he had to write them down in his notebook so that he could go look them up on Wikipedia because he didn't know what they were talking about. He said he had a feeling of being well out of his depth but entrenched already in the situation. You know you're not skilled enough, experienced enough, qualified enough to be there, yet you're there and you have to figure it all out. And his point is he got himself into this situation where he was way over his head and he just needed to keep learning and growing so that he could fulfill all of his responsibilities. He said it's not so much a fear of failure of being unable to do the job as a fear of getting away with something and being discovered. And then he says if they did figure it out, he'd say, well, you know, you'd think, well, that's fair actually, because what they're saying is true. He doesn't actually have the experience and the knowledge, but he's learning as he goes. He says there's a lot of goodness in those feelings because you need to try to harness them and turn them into a force of good because they will teach you to expand and to grow and constantly be learning. So at the advice of his auditor, he entered the New South Wales Entrepreneur Competition and he won the Young Category. That was for people under 40 years of age. He said he didn't even show up to get the award because he was convinced that he wasn't going to get it, but he did get it. And then they went on to the national awards and he also won for the Young Category of under 40 years of age, the Australian Young Entrepreneur of the Year. And so they started partying and having champagne and having a good time at the table and being with all of their friends. And then they were shocked, as he said, everybody else was when at the end of the night he actually won the Australian Entrepreneur of the Year award for all age categories. So he said he knew he was in way too deep and the water was getting even deeper because then he was sent to represent Australia for the world entrepreneur against 40 different countries. And at the award ceremony, he was sitting next to this winner from Portugal who was 65 years old. He'd been running his business for 40 years. He had over 30 
3,000 employees. And after he had a couple of wines, he said, I admitted that I'm not feeling as if I deserve to be there. And sometimes someone would figure that out and send us back to Australia. And the man looked at him and paused. He was quiet for a minute. And then he says that he felt exactly the same way. And he suspected all the winners were feeling that way. Despite not knowing him or his business or what he did, he said, well, you obviously must be doing something right. You should probably just keep on going. And he said that was a very big light bulb moment for him because he realized two things. One was that other people felt that way. And two, that it doesn't go away with any form of success. He had assumed that successful people didn't feel like frauds, that when you get to a certain level of success, you don't feel like a fraud anymore. But he found out that that's not true, that other people do still feel that way. And he says, I know now that the opposite of that is true. So he tells a story about being in the Qantas Lounge. When he was first starting his business, he had to go back and forth from Australia to San Francisco every single week, and he got up all these miles, and so he was allowed to go sit in the Qantas Lounge. And at one point, this beautiful woman came over and started talking to him, and she thought he was someone else. And he says, in this case, I actually was an imposter because she thought I was somebody who he wasn't. But he didn't freeze. He said, I, I didn't freeze. I was thankful for that. I had to stretch myself and just find a way to keep the conversation going. And so he was able to do that and he got her phone number and now 10 years later they're married and they have four kids and they're very happily married and he says one of the reasons that marriages are successful they did some research on that is that both parties feel that their partner is out of their league when both parties feel that way they're constantly stretching themselves and working really hard to be the best partner they can possibly be and they don't freeze and they stretch themselves and he says that's what one of the keys to having a very successful marriage so he says the imposter syndrome happens frequently for him. So at one point there was this on Twitter, there was a discussion going back and forth from Tesla where they said that they could conquer the Australian energy problems, that they could come up with this huge big battery um, that would solve the problems. And he didn't know anything about energy, Mike didn't, and, but he just fired off a couple of tweets. And before he knew it, he was actually having a conversation with Elon Musk and they started conversing about this and he, and Elon Musk said, I'm very serious. This is not a joke. I, I absolutely want to do this. And he said, Mike said at that point, he knew he was way over his head. He said that he didn't know the difference between, you know, the battery that he put in his kid's toy and this biggest battery on the face of the planet that they were learning about building. And he said within 24 hours, every major media outlet was searching him out to get his opinion on this because he had started tweeting on it and he was talking to Elon Musk about it. And he said he was definitely in Boston at that point. Um, he was in way over his head and he was thinking, shit, I've kind of started something and I can't really get out of it. If I abandon it, I will set back renewables and I will look like an idiot. The only thing I could do is to try not to freeze and to try to learn. So he spent weeks learning, doing everything he could to learn all about this. He talked to scientists, economists, government officials. He talks to people in the... Uh, Prime Minister. Uh, he actually had some serious conversations with government agencies. And as a result, the South Australians did put out a bid for somebody to make this gigantic battery uh, that would be renewable that would solve the energy problem. And so there were over 90 applications that were put in for this. And he said now he realized that the national conversation had moved from lumps of coal in the parliament to discussing which battery company would be best for building this renewable source of energy.
So he said that was a very, very important lesson for him at that time. I knew I was an imposter. I was miles out of my death. Instead of freezing, I tried to learn as much as I could. Motivated by a fear of generally looking like an idiot, I tried to turn that into a force for good. I just love the way he's turned that all around. I've learned most successful people feel like imposters most of the time, but most successful people don't question themselves. They question their ideas. They question what they're thinking regularly when they know the water is in way too deep. They know that they've just got to learn more and they've got to study more. They're never afraid to ask for advice. They don't see that as a bad thing. They use that advice to hone the ideas and to learn more. He says, it's okay to be out of your depth. I'm frequently out of my depth. So long as you don't freeze and you try to learn and turn the situation, it becomes something for good. So he says, this is not psychological BS about conquering the imposter syndrome. It's merely about being aware. He says, in fact, I'm aware of feeling like an imposter right now as I'm up here on an expert, as being called to be an expert on something I knew absolutely nothing about four months ago. He says, but that's kind of the point, isn't it? And I just thought that was an incredibly wonderful way of turning it all around, that when you feel like you're an imposter and you're way over your head, just start working more and studying more and asking for advice from all of the experts. So we're going to go to scripture because we want to talk about who we really are. And uh, the Song of Solomon 4.7 says, You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. Psalm 139.13, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Genesis 1.27, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. First Samuel 16.7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And that just reminds us that the way we judge ourselves on the outside stuff has absolutely no relevance to God. What has relevance is who we are on the inside. So Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And then 1 John 3, 2, now we are children of God, and it is not yet made manifest what we shall be. We know that if he shall be manifested, we shall be like him, for we shall see him even as he is. So we're going to go ahead and talk a little bit about the new thought perspective on imposter syndrome. And what they're talking about is that there are two forms of identity. There's the personal and there's the impersonal. And so Imelda Shanklin wrote a book called What Are You? So in 1907, there were only four employees at Unity. She was one of them. She wrote many, many of the articles for We Wisdom. In 1918, she was actually ordained by Charles Fillmore to be a minister. And she says, what are you? Your identity. Until you can answer that at any time, you don't know yourself well enough to trust yourself to be happy, to be assured of continued safety and well-being. So there are two forms of identity, the personal and the impersonal. The personal is the seen body conduct situation. The personal is the unseen spirit, mind, and the revelation. The personal can be changed. You've already changed yourself many times. As you talked about, you're a toddler, and then you're in school, and then you're in high school, and then you're in college, and then you're a grown man, and then you take on a responsibilities of a job, and you're a husband and a father, and that you change as you go through. All of the parts of you change. Your mind and your body and your experience and all of that changes. But the impersonal is not affected. It is changeless. Eternally, what will be what it eternally has been. So it is peace bestowing, impersonal, has its home in the heart of God. 
when there is discouragement, it comes from the fact that you have changed your focus from the uh, person, impersonal to the personal, and you need to just change it back. You need to change it back to the impersonal. You are a son, a daughter, a child of the living God. When you focus on the personal, you're always in a state of wanting something to make us complete. And you know, we talked a lot in the last talk about always feeling like we weren't complete and we had to take energy from other people because we didn't have it enough. And the answer always is to get your energy from God, to always go to God who is your source. Become immune to doubt and need when we remember that the impersonal is indestructible. As a spiritual being, you have an identity with God, and because of the identity, you feel the presence of God as a vast good. The impersonal is the spiritual. It is of God, and it is identical with him, she says. Spiritually, you are an idea in the mind of God. That idea must be given expression in you. When you let the mind of God act without interference on your part, you prosper in the work of regaining your mental identity. The hurts and the limitations of the personal begin in the mental region. So again, the thoughts create your reality. When you tell yourself that you're not good enough, you're going to create that feeling inside yourself. The thoughts of unfitness are defamation of character, she says. They persuade your body to misrepresent your spiritual nature. Your personal identity automatically adjusts itself to your thinking. Work is required, she said, a regimen of thought training that girds up the muscles of the mind and makes them alert and dependable. I just love that, girds up the muscles of the mind. You must consciously connect with the mind of God and you must stay connected that your body may be fed with his perfect life. You are the idea of God, capable of perfect translation. Someday you will become wholly awake to your divine identity and will begin consciously to take on the image of perfection. You never will know your true identity until you let the mind of God instruct you as to what you are. Your genuine success will be fostered by putting the personal self under the control of the impersonal self and then proceeding with that expression. I am an idea in the mind of God and I let God express through me. So here's what I know. Our thoughts so definitely create our reality. And when we feel less than in any way, we can spiral out of control. So recently I went through an episode where because of wearing the masks all the time, I got a infection, a blister on my nose, very big blister. And because I'm recording and because I'm um, in front of people all the time, I was working on how to cover it up. And so, you know, when you have a big red blotch, they tell you to put green concealer on it. So I put green concealer on it and then I got this big green blotch. And then you're supposed to put skin color concealer on that. So I put the skin color on top of the green and then you're supposed to put some powder on that and then you're supposed to spray and I just thought, this is ridiculous. Like the more I'm covering it up, the worse it's getting. And it just dawned on me that that really is like a metaphor for life. The more you try to cover up everything that you think is wrong with you, the more you spend time trying to be something that you're not, the, the more that you're not authentic and the more that you're hiding what you think your flaws are, the worse you're making it for yourself. If you can just come out and say, hey, this is what the deal is, it's just so much better. It's just so much better if you can be real. So I don't feel like an imposter a lot, but I've certainly felt like I was on the outside looking in quite often. When I was young, I went to a private school and I was the only Christian girl there. And they also had a lot, a lot, a lot of money. And I didn't. Um, when I went to music and art, I was accepted as a guitarist, but there were no other guitarists there. So I had to start violin. And to start violin at age 13 is very, very late. And so I felt like an 
not an imposter, but I felt like I didn't really fit in and like I really couldn't do the job. It still comes up sometimes. Um, when I finished my degree, I started going to conventions to announce my ministry, and, and I said, hi, I'm a reverend. And there was a part of me that was like, I don't think I'm really a reverend. I hadn't been ordained yet, but I had gotten my degree in pastoral ministry. And of course, I had to work my way through that, and then I got ordained, and I realized I really am a reverend, and it's all good. But I really liked Mike's point of view that you just start to learn as you go. You just put yourself out there, just, just take one step at a time, and just keep going. Always be teachable. Study hard. Learn new tools. It made me stronger and smarter as I faced every single challenge I had to take. So Lost Inside Ministry was started 90% of what I did. I had no clue what I was doing. I just put one foot in front of the other. I knew that this was my life's work. I knew this is what I was supposed to be doing, but I was winging it every single day. So remember always, God loves me, and that's the only glue that holds me together when I'm feeling less than. I liked Mike's acknowledgement that even tremendously successful people feel like they are imposters and that no matter how far along you go in your journey, there's still going to be some period of doubt inside you, but you can always talk back to yourself, remind yourself that you're a child of God, remind yourself that it's okay not to know everything and remind yourself that your job is to just keep learning. Change our thoughts, change our reality. You can never be less than in the image of God. Our biggest battles are always inside our own heads. God loves us with a love that is so profound we can't even imagine it. If we could love ourselves even a fraction as much, we are on the right path. Always getting close to having that perfect love for ourselves. Don't ever hide any part of yourself. You are more than the sum of every high and low. You are perfect, whole, and complete just the way you are. Remember at all times the power is in you. It always has been and it always will be. Thank you so much. If you'd like any other information, please visit my website at lostinsideministry.com. I send you on your way with many blessings.